Hey guys, this is Noah, coming at you one final time with the Skeleton Crew. This is it, the moment we've all been waiting for, the big finale. Who knows what the fate of the Skeleton Crew will be. Before we get into it, big thank you to everybody that's listened. Thank you if you've listened from day one. Thank you if this is your first time listening. Just for you guys, we made this episode extra, extra juicy. Here's the Skeleton Crew. With Bogan vanquished, his corporeal form exploding after being stabbed with the mortis dagger, the dark citadel where the fight ensued began to crumble and fall apart. As the son attempted to betray the group and take the dagger for himself, Wes shot it out of the sky, and it clattered down into the unknown darkness a thousand feet below. Enraged, the sun turned back toward the group in his monstrous form and obliterated the platform upon which they all stood. Now, a barrage of stone and dust and magma follows the skeleton crew as they hurtle down to their inevitable deaths. Time seems too slow for each of you. you know, your perception of reality has shifted. And as Gordax is faced with his own mortality, what scenes flash before your eyes? What memories come to the forefront of this battled mind? Flashing between the scenes of the rocks and the magma, Gordax sees in the red of the magma slowly shifts to orange and yellow, and it becomes the middle of an egg, the yolk, and it falls onto a griddle on his very first job. And he sees it there simmering, and he's there wearing a lonely apron that he had to fish out of the nearest dumpster, and he's using a fourth-hand spatula. That just means he's using it in his fourth hand, not that it came through four other people. And he's sitting there watching this eye cook, and a door rings. He looks over and he sees the door open up and in comes walking the only man whom he has ever hoped to meet in his entire young life, Gordon Ramsay. Flash forward several years and he's training. He's flipping four spatulas now in all four hands, cooking in the most pristine of environments. And then he's presenting this dish to statesmen, to emperors, to the finest and most exquisite people in the galaxy. And then the magma returns and it splashes some of it on his arms and it turns into the bubbling, boiling mass of bubbling sugar from his ruined final test with Gordon Ramsay. And he's thrown out on the streets only to be picked up by various riffraff and street gangs. 
And as he reflects, all of this culminates back to his final moments with Gordon Ramsay, back on Lahan, and everything's starting to catch up now, and almost replaying the exploding of this cliff face from the sun, he rehears and resees the thermal detonator going off in Gordon Ramsay's hand. And he feels peace. As that peaceful smile crawls across Gordax's face in these tumultuous moments, not too far away, equally scattered into the air by this explosion, is a Bothan, the newest member of the crew, Track Trinato, as he is then faced with this thousand-foot drop, no perceivable way to save himself or the others, what runs through his mind as your senses dilate? Tracks call to his time as a child on Bothui, and he recalls going to school and being picked on by the other kids because he wasn't quite the tallest or the best or the fastest, not getting picked for the special Bothan sports teams. He remembers struggling very hard to keep up, but always just kind of getting by. Next, he remembers, jumps forward to his time at the Spy Academy, uh, and he, again, trying his best and showing up late for the major final test and, well, failing out of it. And uh, then kind of his life on the streets for a little bit as he listlessly wandered and tried to find purpose in his life as his goals had never been within his reach. And then he remembers and sees the first merchant ship he came across and how he smuggled on board to get off the planet and, well, ended up getting discovered but work having to work for his stay on the ship and his keep. He found he was good at a merchant and he remembers his first broker deal when he traded all that outdoor furniture <laughs> for, for a good sum of credits. He then remembers as the ship he had worked so hard to build up and the company he was working for, the agreed-upon exchange. And he remembers that falling and he feels that falling sensation as systems were disabled and it started falling towards the planet. He remembers the panic in his mind, the frantic will to live as he strapped himself into an escape pod, which did not fire as there was no or to it. And it's that same falling sensation which seamlessly brings him back now to falling with all the debris. As this wave of heat and energy washes over track, bringing back these memories of an imminent crash, nearby, similarly pelted with debris, is Skoga. As you look around, your senses taking in, in infinite detail, the myriad of quirky characters you've come to know over the years that you've spent adrift in space. And your mind shoots back to... Skoga's mind shoots back to when he was in school, when he was learning about the ins and outs, the workings of physics, the galaxy, and he feels such impatience to be out of school and out hunting in the forests of Trandosha. Him and his friends are going out there looking for this and that, what they at the time considered to be great kills, but was probably closer to womp rats or whatever the Trandoshan equivalent of those are. 
Swamp Rats. <laughs> he remembers being a few years older than that, out there hunting with his most trusted man, Akrith, and the sting of betrayal as Akrith left him for dead, captured by Wookiees. He remembers being down on his luck on the slum planet of Narshada, where he met a couple of fellows. Wences Pantier and Iso Kelm. He remembers going gambling and getting the biggest payout he's ever seen in his life. He remembers meeting Bog, forgetting that they were supposed to turn him into one of the huts, and instead taking him with them on a grand adventure, blowing spaceships out of the sky and heading straight on to Tatooine. He remembers meeting Damien in a cave with Dresso Quake, walking around, trying to figure out how to get his big score, getting caught up in things much greater than himself. He remembers being in the Jedi Council, swinging a red lightsaber around in their faces to prove that the Sith had come back. He remembers the salsa and how it burned. He remembers the feeling of elation and satisfaction as he cut off Akrit's hands and his jaw, and eventually his head, and exacted his revenge. And he also remembers the blast in which Damien sacrificed himself so that everyone else could get away. He remembers meeting Jananthanan, saving him from his own brother. Jananthanan's brother, I mean. He remembers slaying Sith, and he remembers doing a couple of jobs for Drell back in the good old days. And he remembers feeling pretty excited to be reunited with his old pals. And again, he remembers the sacrifice of Iso, who also died so that everyone else could get away. And then he remembers like 50 different times where a coconut filled to the brim, a pina colada, was slid across the table to him into his open hand, and he drank it all up. And he thinks, I've had a pretty good run. And he looks over at everybody and he says, Thanks for the ride. And he gives them a little one-fingered salute. As the wind is rushing past you all and there's still this cacophonous <laughs> boom <laughs> ringing in your ears, Skoga locks eyes with the newly one-armed Wes just for a split second as Wes falls through the air. Wes, he shoots all the way back. His riotous youth the horrific coup that tore him from his family, learning the ropes on how to run a scam, Narshida with Skoga and Iso, getting on that crazy adventure, separating out, getting four trillion credits into debt, becoming an investment banker, making so many trillions of credits, so many trillions of credits, he actually forgot that he had borrowed some from the Watcher. Remembers seeing that old comlink he had untouched from his crazy times with the skeleton crew. Beep alive once more. Skoga was calling. He remembers his, he, the joy he felt at that moment going over his secretary Cynthia and him thinking, man, I remember that Skoga always wanted a nice beach to hang out on. Arranging a couple of things to be bought, telling her that he'd signed the papers when he got back. Jumping on the ship, flying off, looking up a recipe on how to make pina coladas, memorizing it, sitting in front of Skoga, ice, pineapple, juice, 
coconut, white rum, dark rum, mixing it up, handing one to everyone. And there, following, he remembers losing his arm and the, the shock, the astounding moment that was. And he thinks back to when Skoga lost his arm, Papo lost his arm, when Skoga lost his arm, when Damien lost a leg, and when Skoga lost a leg. And in that moment, he was just able to come to terms with it and accept his newly dismembered limb. I guess newly disintegrated limb. And seeing Skoga's one finger salute as they plummet through the sky, he just imagines a beautiful planet that he had bought to help everyone retire. It's a great place. It was called Puerto Pico. And he just, you know, one tear slides off his face flying as he just thinks, it was a great dream. And he returns Skoga's one finger salute with the two finger salute of his own. As the heat dissipates in the air around you, a few feet further from the impact of this force-driven explosion from the sun, as your group falls, the metallic pings and clinks of rubble clink and clack against Popo's surface, beaten, marred, but online, and, dare we say, a lie. If you could hear his thoughts right now, all you'd hear is, This absolutely sucks. I'm going to fall, hit the ground, and I'm going to still be alive, and they're all going to be mush. And then I'm going to be stuck on another stupid planet, having just made a bunch of friends and lost them all again. (sighs) I hate my life. As Popo muses on his unfortunate fate once again (laughs) alone, no one feels more alone than Bog in that moment. <laughs> That's what he thinks about him. As Bog jumps back in his mind to the last fiery crash he experienced at his uncle's funeral when most of his extended family was wiped out by the very people, or at least by the fault of the very people he's now sharing his last moments with. And then his mind jumps further back even to another time he was on Coruscant where he finally stood up to his uncle, where even the the many experiences he had in those long years between his first meetings with the skeleton crew and the Great Galactic War and his second meetings with the skeleton crew on the planet of Ilum, all of them come to naught for the time that he stood up for himself and decided that he would join the crew and he would be a part of them. As he thinks back again to how desperate he was, how scared he was. And that casino on Narshada, after having just scammed Iso out of a lot of money, and the huts. And his mind goes further back, when he ran away from home, in the dodgy lower levels of Coruscant, fending for himself, without his uncle's inheritance, bogging him down. And he returns to this present moment, and he sheds a single tear, for the friends that have passed, and for the life that he'll never get to live because he threw in his lot with these idiots. Well, it was his choice. It was, and that's why he's angry about it. (laughs) And that's why he's sad. (laughs) Because he realizes in this moment that no one made him do it. And then, as the stone debris splashes down into the water below, the crew also impacts. And though it's not a soft fall, 
it isn't lethal anymore. With the tension broken, Gordax, Skoga, Track, Bog, Wes, and Popo plummet dozens of feet under the water in this dark bay that sits beneath the citadel that rumbles and collapses all around. And as the six of you sink further down, you see this massive explosion, almost as if a volcano were erupting above you, and even more stone and debris fall down into this lake. It takes a second for everyone to get their bearings, but before you can even realize what's up and what's down, this underwater world becomes nearly pitch black, and you all feel the slightest tug at your ankles as something whips and slithers up your legs and then pulls you through the abyss, speeding along, knocking you haphazardly without any care for your well-being against the sides and the rocks. And it's safe to say, for all intents and purposes, that besides Popo, everyone falls unconscious. An unspecified amount of time later, in an underground cavern. Seven seconds. A strange light filling the void. Gordax, Skoga, Track, Wes, and Bog cough and sputter awake, belching out water and gunk that had clogged their lungs. Popo, sitting nearby, stands, seeing the others come too. It's about time. You all took just long enough for me to start to think you're all going to die. <sighs> I'm so glad you're alive. <coughs> what is this? Oh, it's probably hell, for all I know. Might as well be. Seems nice enough. Well, you're all still here, so that checks out. <coughs> oh, oh, and Brack vomits up some water. Oh, oh, how do we survive that? Wes, rolling over, says... I don't know how we survived, but look, guys, I bought a planet. If we get out of this, let's just retire. Drinks are on me. I can't take this anymore. Does anyone have any medicine? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm hurting. How much time has passed? Would you say that was a restful thing? Can we drop some strain? Was it a restful, mostly drowning? Nope. Let's see what's around us here. And Gordax kind of props himself up and is taking a look around to... See if you can get a better idea. Is it really dark? Can Popo activates activates his lights. Even with Popo's lights, it's still abysmally dark in here. You seem to be on a small outcropping, uh, a beach of sorts, just of plain black stone. The cavern walls extend up behind and above you into complete shadow, further than the light beams reach from Popo. A shimmering black lake extends in front of you, a single point of light far, far beyond and above glistens between shades of blue and white. Are there any tracks or unnatural impressions in the stone from any creature that may have been here or put us here? It doesn't look like anything has been here before you. Let um, me you say to the group, I don't clearly remember everything that happened, but everything was so dark and so I couldn't hear anything, but I swear something grabbed me. Well, that could have been me. I was grasping at anything, but uh, I do think something was tucking down. Um, you said there was, like, something glowing, floating? Far off, yes, above the lake. I don't know how we feel about getting into this water here, but, well, that's the only thing I can see that illuminates any more of this place. 
Perhaps we can walk along the shore, see how far it goes. Yes, we could try that as long as we can. Um, and Gordax attempts to stand up after taking this fall. Doing so with some aches and pains, goes to assist the others to get up. Oh, my face burns. Is, does my face look okay? Like, this right side of my face doesn't, it's kind of numb. I think it happened from the lava. Wes looks over at him. He starts his eyes wide, and then he says, Looks great, man. Looks awesome. You know, I think chicks really dig scars. As long as I'm, it's not, like, too bad, that's good. Whew. No problem at all. I mean, it, you can barely tell. I, I only notice because you asked me to look for it. Hey, how's your arm feeling? You gonna be okay? Oh, I don't feel it at all. I've really managed to come to terms with my loss. It turns out falling to your death is very therapeutic. Really gives you the perspective you need to overcome problems and issues. Popo, are you okay from all the water? Yes. Why wouldn't I be? I don't know. Like, there was a lot of damage and maybe some of the waterproofing of your circuits. I, I don't know. I'm not a droid. You're right. You're not a droid. Droids are built pretty resiliently. We can be fully submerged. No problem. And then you see, like, a little tiny twitch in one of his right hands. And, uh, Skoga, are you... Everything checking out? Kordak says as he goes to pick Skoga up, or hoist him up by the hand. I'm just taking a breather. Uh, also, as much as I would love to swim across this massive lake, I have lost a lot of blood. So I might need to breathe for a bit. Popo, I don't suppose you have any more stim packs or something. I do have one cartridge left. I think I'm actually still bleeding in some places. Oh, let me come fix that. And then he comes up. His right hand kind of, you know, disappears into his wrist and then out pops a giant needle and he just jabs it right into the most heavily damaged area <laughs> and uh, you feel the liquid cold substance enter your body and then he says, that should be better in no time. Look, it's already stopping the bleeding. Thanks, Papa. Hey, Papa, you got any more of those? Uh, sorry, that was my last one. You know, I am glad that you all survived because you would have left me here alone, buried beneath the earth. You know, kind of had a lot of difficult memories pop up from the last time that happened. It, it almost made me crazy. Almost. Papo, I tell you what. If we can get out of here, then you are free to hang with me whenever you want. I'm talking sunshine and beaches for the rest of my life. But it's very conditional on figuring out how to get out of here. Because I'm going to be honest, it doesn't look very good. Well, if we can't get out of here, then we're going to be stuck on this beach for the rest of our lives. So, win-win. Track, I said sunshine and beaches. There is no sunshine here. We're missing half of the requirements. Just imagine your sunshine of a personality making up for it, Skoga. At the mention of sunshine, however, you all take note that this light has been steadily growing brighter and it seems its source is slowly but surely moving toward you and you can get a good look now that it's some kind of crystal about the size of a human head i've seen this in the nature documentaries it's when those giant fish they have a light you go towards it and then they go chomp they eat you i don't really want to be eaten today you know what they say about fish popo there's always a bigger one so. Oh, the only other thing inside this cavern, aside from black stone and water, turns out to be a grassy knoll from which Gordax gets shot. <laughs> I'm just saying we should probably make sure we see whatever that light's attached to before we... T 
touch it or lick it or whatever you monkey and lizard and four-legged demon want to do. As the crystal comes nearer to your rock beach, it stops, hovering about ten feet away from you, still suspended out of reach in the air. It's spinning slowly, shimmering, like I said, between these hues of blue and white. And then this voice echoes out, filling the cavern and your minds. And it's not one voice, but many. Hundreds of voices, all in one. Humans, Trandoshans, Bothans, droids, male, female, everything you can think of in one cacophonous mental whisper. And it says, I am the Ashla. You're saying that you're the representation of the light side of the Force. I thought that was the daughter. No. The daughter is a Force user. A powerful being who follows my creed. I am not a representation, but the light itself. Might I ask what you're doing down here in such a dark place? You all have proven yourselves worthy with the conflict between my sibling, yourselves, and the Force users here on Mortis. The foundation of this world has been disrupted. Bogan survived. You cannot destroy it. However, this world must remain. And through your actions, and the actions of Bogan, the son, the daughter, and the father have perished. If their places are not filled, There is no telling what may become of the living force in the wider universe. I imagine a chosen one would have to pop up to bring balance to the force. Do you think you could do that? Could you just maybe put that as a failsafe, maybe in a few thousand years, just have some person born, probably with no father? You know, it'd be pretty interesting. But until that time is come, balance must be maintained. The light and the dark will always struggle against one another, and one must keep them both at bay. I thought that was supposed to be Bindu's job. Is Bindu gone, or is that just a legend? Papa, you seem very knowledgeable of all of this. Plus, I'm also pretty sure Papa, at one point in time, used to be a Force user. I think the dark side of the Force... And then somehow he got turned into a droid, but that's just what I've gathered. Skoga, that hit must have uh, impacted you more than the rest of us. You're just talking crazy now. Does nobody else see this? uh, uh, Okay, you know what, whatever, fine. Maybe I was the only one who heard Bogon be like, yes, return to the dark side or something. Whatever he said, it, it doesn't matter, whatever. It'll come back to Papo eventually. Your legends describe the states of my siblings and myself as primitively as one might describe life by saying it breathes. Though true, there is much more beneath the surface that remains yet hidden. However, you and this crystal, though it doesn't have a face or anything, the light seems to almost beam toward Popo. You are unfit to take on the roles that must be filled. Your time has passed, though you will not leave here unrewarded. And then the light seems to then uh, equal out to everyone. The five of you 
indicating Gordax, Skoga, Track, Wes, and Bog. Out of the five of you, three must stay. You will be transfigured and assume your new roles as conduits of the Force. Exactly are the job responsibilities of the position? Your former identities will be wiped away. Your minds clear of all things that once made you yourself. And you will assume the identity of those who have passed. You will not become them, per se. You will only serve as a vessel for the continuation of their souls. Wes speaks up. He just says, So you need someone to take on the mantle of being the conduit of the power of ultimate good, the power of ultimate evil, and the thing that keeps the balance between the two. Am I understanding this correctly? That is correct. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Bye. But Wes, I think you're perfect for one of the jobs. Can you <laughs> can you kind of imagine which one? I mean, I definitely am not the ultimate good in the world. You're also not the ultimate evil. I think you're quite in between perfectly. Okay. Do you want to be the father? That'd be interesting. You could have a you could actually grow a beard finally. The thing that bothers me is not actually the assuming the responsibility. It's the wiping my soul clean so I can keep some other dude's soul alive. Let that dude keep his own soul alive. Yeah, playing house in my body while I basically, my consciousness dies, doesn't sound that interesting. What if we went and got other people to come and do that? Just get three people that are brain dead and are on life support. It'll be perfect. They won't even know. We need three volunteers for a clinical trial. Papa raises his hand and says, Everyone, I don't think you were listening. You see, Ashla told us that she found you, or he, or it, they, whatever, all of the above, found you worthy. So... It's not guaranteed that other beings would come here and pass such a test. I think that's the point. Now, um, Gordak says, kind of rubbing his temple with one of his hands. So, just out of curiosity, I mean, there's clearly some unwillingness here from some of my friends. What if we all were unwilling? <laughs> <laughs> Then Mortis would wane, and the Force would continue unbridled throughout the galaxy, the repercussions of which no one could foresee. So they could be good. It, it could actually be better than it is now, is what you're saying. The galaxy is already in an unstable state. War, famine, disease, poverty. It spirals ever downward. It will only continue in its current momentum. So what you're saying is no shiny beach planet where we can retire and where Skoka can have all the pina coladas he ever wanted. Now wait a second. As a hypothetical, let's say that I was transfigured into one of these beings. Would I then have the power to make Mortis like a beach? There already exists such locales upon this world. I'm not saying no. But I think what my companion Gordax here was saying is that things in the galaxy 
have always, you know, if you keep trying the same thing and you expect different results, you're kind of foolish. And so if we restore things to how they were, I don't think we can expect things to change in the galaxy. Perhaps we try some new management with the Force not having this house situation here, and it might be better, just hypothetically. But actually, actually, better second follow-up question. If all of us are unwilling... Then what happens to us? Then you will wane with Mortis, and eventually starve and die here. Mm, now. Mm. And leave me alone. <laughs> All right. Okay, okay. Now look. Now look. I don't have that much longer to live. I don't know if you guys know much about Trandoshans. We don't live especially long, and I'm on the downhill slope of that. So I don't have a huge problem with staying behind if that means that others like Gordax can go on to cook great food and maybe Wes could write my memoir or something. As, as long as like a record of me as Skoga exists, I would be fine. And I think, I, Wes, you even promised you would make a statue of me. So that would be pretty cool. And I could talk with like Damien and Iso on the other side because I would have force powers. And, you know, I've always been kind of in tune with the force anyway, so... I'm, <laughs> I'm not totally opposed to it, but I would like to leave behind some sort of a legacy, especially if that means that the others, some of the others, can make it out of here and not have to wane with Mortis, as it were. Those who do not assume the roles that have been laid before them will go to that same fate so those so if there's three positions open right and let's say three of us hypothetically me gordax goga we choose that what happens to wes popo and bog they will stay here until their mortal forms expire so what i understand is what's going to happen is three of us lose our identities become godlike wheelies of the force and three of us will slowly wither and die. Or we all slowly wither and die. And no matter what, Papa will be left alone. Brutish, but true. Okay, okay. I, I don't really see the incentive here. You know what I always say? Nothing like a little last-minute creativity in the kitchen. I think... And he pulls out his cleaver and he drives it onto the ground, which it just clangs off the rock and doesn't really do anything. And he kind of tucks it back away a little sheepishly. Anyways, I won't speak for any of the others, but I thank you for your offer and finding myself worthy, but I do not accept the role of any of these beings. I will choose any fate that is left, depending upon the choices of these others. Bog steps forward and he gives a big middle finger to the, the glowing shard, and he says, Yeah, me neither. If I'm going to die, I'm not going to let these others go either. That came out wrong. That did come out wrong. <laughs> it was... A, that was supposed to be a, 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 a sign of solidarity. It's okay, Bog. We, we know that... Uh, we know what you mean. And he kind of, like, motions to the others, like, No, we don't. <laughs> Ashla... I've already been trapped on a uh, planet before, and rightly probably should have died in the, in the last hour. And so if you will find a way to provide for the remainders of my party to not 
waste away and die here, but rather escape, perhaps on their ship, then I accept the position that you choose. I have already said they will not. Alright, if we're not making this out of here alive, then screw you, okay? Look, we did a lot for the galaxy, alright? We've been fighting off the dark side. We went, and at father's bidding, we fought frickin' Bogon, alright? I don't know if you saw the guy. He's not a real peach, okay? And now you come in here with this bullcrap. We either have to die, or give up our souls and then kind of die anyway. So you know what? Screw you. You can find someone else, all right? If I'm going to go out, it's on my own terms, all right? I'd rather bleed out in a cave with my buddies than kiss your sweet cheeks. You can get the heck out of here. Gordax goes over and gives uh, him a high five. <laughs> Wes, Wes starts to clap. Trek picks up a rock off the beach and throws it at the rock. <laughs> West claps even more. Oh wait, he has only he has only one arm. He's like smacking his chest. He claps. One hand claps, just like slaps himself in the face. Oh my god. The rock clatters against the ground and echoes throughout this huge chamber, and the crystal retreats, and the room grows colder as the light sinks away. And it changes from white to blue to purple, and then it fades to an orange and then a red. And you hear another voice, one voice this time, distinct, hum throughout your minds and this cavern, and it says, Well, it was worth a shot. And then the light snuffs out. Wes turns to everyone else upon hearing that, and he says, Guys, I really did not see that coming. That, I, wow. You can't see it at this point, but there are tears streaming down Gordax's face, and he says, "Guys, I, I'm. It's great to be a part of you all. I, I just." And he actually like collapses on his knees, and he just like embraces Bog like smotheringly. <laughs> ah, Gordax, that that part was so cool when you threw your cleaver down at the rocks. That was so cool. I know. I chipped the end of it, but it's okay. Skoga, I don't think I could have expressed my emotions better than you did. That was real oratory talent. You know what, guys? I'm going to come clean. I was pretty, pretty much on the brink back there. With that conversation with Bogon, all right, that one, that one really got me revved up, okay? So I don't know how, but we are going to get out of this, and we are going to leave this planet in the dust, hopefully with another nuke like we did on Lahan. <laughs> or we are going to die trying. Skoga, I will tell you that if you tried to nuke it, I don't think it would work. Second, Bogan wasn't lying completely. What, what do, do you mean? mean? Well, there's kind of an important thing about the Force needing to be in balance. You see, it directly affects the rest of the galaxy. When the Force is out of balance, the galaxy kind of falls apart. And that's what destroyed my people. We ruled the entire galaxy. We were the first. And it destroyed us. And the Rakata, it did it again. It seems to be this cycle. And through the dark side, kind of getting a little bit out of control. So I would recommend we try to leave things better than we found it, if we can. So that'll help the galaxy more, so we can have more fun gallivanting about. But how do we do that? 
I guess here's where I'm coming from. We are in a cave deep under the ground, and I have no idea how we are supposed to leave Mortis better than we found it. Like, maybe if we... If one of us actually did become, like, a god or something, that could that could be something, but uh, I don't really know how that goes, and Bogon kind of left, and unless the real Ashla is just hanging around here somewhere, which I doubt because Drell had to use us to get here in the first place, so Bendu and Ashla, they're just off, I don't know, shooting the breeze somewhere. If anyone would... would take the time to you know examine their person and their equipment they would notice that their comlinks have a signal and that their transponders are active and so whatever force was preventing outside communication seems to be gone and in fact gordax is is blinking furiously i i and that kind of realizing this all in unison gordax pulls out his own comlink and lil- looks at it to examine the blinking and he doop, clicks it we were trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. They <laughs> 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 found us. <laughs> Upon on the the comlink, it's jumbled. It's mostly static, but but between the static, you hear Gardax. Gardax. Yeah. Gardax, it's Solaris. Can you hear me? Yes. Gardax. Solaris, where are you? Are, are you here? Codex, where in the force are you? <laughs> well, funny story about that, actually. Um, can can you track this signal? We already have been. Ever since your departure from Coruscant, I've been trying to track you down. You disappeared somewhere in this sector, and then suddenly you're back. Well, okay, I won't go into the details of how you found us. Maybe, I don't know. But we seem to be underground in some sort of cavern. Copy that. And then it clicks off. Who was that? So... Turns out, my old employer actually has sudden, apparently found us. I don't know how that works out, but, well, and he, like, looks at his transponder. I guess she's gone now, so hopefully she got what she needed. And then this huge rumble emanates throughout the cave, and there's just dust that falls down around you. Like a giant piston clanking down on something. And then you hear it retract, and then again, and again, and again, and then a tiny chip falls down and you know knocks Popo in the head followed by a sliver of sunlight that streams down from above I'm gonna run to the side in case rocks fall down so I don't get squished yeah same yeah. Gordax follows suit so does Bog and Popo we take cover I sure hope you're on better relationships with your former employer Gordax and Wes was <laughs> You owe me five trillion dollars! <laughs> just just the meat man falls down into the hole. <laughs> and at this point, the entire roof of this cavern just collapses into the lake and onto the shore. Uh, you're safely off to the side, but as all these stones crack against the ground and shatter into hundreds of pieces, and blinding sunlight just comes down, assaulting your eyes, and the hum of starship engines. And then you hear this clink, 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 clink as kind of like an anchor. Looks like an anchor is lowered down and there's a figure on top of it, like looking for you all. Uh, They just seem to be some kind of scout. And then it yells back up to the ship and this shuttle disembarks from the side and floats down to the six of you. And it comes to a stop, you know, blowing dust and rubble away right next to this little beachhead. And you see 
all of you except Bog and Track recognize Zalaris Naloran, Gordax's compatriot and confidant and uh, the woman he's the right-hand man to. And he goes running up to her. Solaris! Oh, you are a sight for sore eyes, let me tell you. And he, like, vigorously shook, shakes her hands, regardless of whether she wants to or not. She does, but she says, It's good to see you, Gardax, but I've got something to tell you, and may come as a quite big shock. Uh, and? You see, I'm not actually Zolaris. Zolaris is just a moniker for the leader of this organization. But lucky for y'all... You've got friends in high places. And then the scout who was uh, on top of the anchor takes off their helmet, and you see it's none other than Adara. Not only your former crew member, and Trax's former crew member, but apparently the leader of an international syndicate of criminals. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is that the real? Is that the real description? Is that what's happening? I guess international should be interplanetary, but yeah. <laughs> and and she says, I've been looking for you, tracking you, ever since you took that job from this Drell character. I never trusted him, and I knew something was wrong. I orchestrated that Gordax here would climb the ranks of this organization, and you would meet up on Alderaan. I then fell in with Tractronato and his captain, so I could keep tabs on you later. It wasn't until just recently that I realized... The amount of trouble you were in. Come on. And she gestures to the speeder. Hop aboard. We'll get you into hyperspace and to safety. You'd all deserve a rest. And with that, the uh, anchor cranks back up, her going with it. Well, that was unexpected, but hey, you don't have to tell me twice. And Skoga is going to head on to uh, the speeder. (laughs) Papo runs full speed. He's like, I don't have to be alone. (laughs) Wes hops on the speeder. And he pointedly looks at everyone and he says, All right, guys, two weeks. Puerto Bico. Find me. Just ask for Bon Bolo. Oh, <laughs> my freaking goodness. And as Bog clambers into the back seat, kind of situated on someone's lap because there's not enough room, he just looks at Wes and he says, You're really bad at names. <laughs> and then the speeder lifts up and it docks with the mothership. As the ship rumbles, as it lifts off, the skies of Mortis are clear. The starry expanse of the galaxy beyond. And as the ship goes further and further from the surface, it doesn't encounter any resistance from the natural or unnatural forces that have kept it safe for all these millennia. Now, unguarded and abandoned, no one knows what will happen to this world, and no one really cares, as the ship blasts off into hyperspace, and the skeleton crew makes their last escape.